Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Well, it's very good to see you. Uh, my name is Noah. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Harvest Church. Um, I take care of the youth ministry here and um, have the honor and the privilege to be able to share a message with you today. Um, every time I do this, I always feel very humbled. Um, yeah, just really humbled and honored, and I um, hope you guys all had a good Christmas. Hope it was well with each and every one of you. Um, I have actually both sets of family in town, so my, my own family, my mom and dad and sisters, but also my wife's family is in town. Um, so we had Christmas on the normal Christmas, and then um, today it starts another Christmas, um, and the next week starts another Christmas. Uh, <laughs> So my son today, he, uh, he's like, what are we doing today? I'm like, we're going to go have Christmas at Nana and Papa's. And he's like, again? <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh man, and again. <laughs> uh, I really did have a good time at Christmas. Um, Christmas is an amazing thing. Um, one thing I actually kind of just wanted to drop kind of in your heads is sometimes Christmas can be weird because there's such a big buildup to Christmas. Um, you know, maybe some of you are even counting to the next Christmas already. Like, you know, you just do this restart. And sometimes after Christmas, you can kind of, it's like, I call it the Christmas blues in my head, um, where you kind of get down after Christmas. Um, but as a Christian, man, it is, it's the celebration of Jesus, his coming and his birth. But what it's the celebration is that we have hope as Christians, that you and me, man, we have hope that Jesus is here, Jesus is alive, and Jesus is on the move. Amen? Amen. So out of today's, pa- or today's passage, we're going to be in Luke 7. Luke 7, um, we're going to kind of work with this story um, around Jesus visiting a Pharisee's house named Simon. And then this woman, Mary, shows up. And she begins to anoint Jesus' feet with oil and wipe his feet with, with tears and her hair. And it's this really beautiful story. And we're going to dive into that, and we're going to talk about our hope that is in Jesus. The first thing I kind of want to hit on is uh, we're going to read a little passage out of Luke 7, 41 through 47. We're going to read a, a kind of a, a part of it to kind of set the stage and then read the full later. So Luke 7, 41 through 47, out of the ESV version, English Standard Version. It says this, a, uh, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love them more? This is a conversation that Jesus is asking Simon, Simon being the Pharisee of the house. Simon answered back, well... The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, Do you have judged rightly? Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has wiped them with her hair. Or sorry, <laughs> She has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointments. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But, but he who is forgiven little loves little. 
I love this story. Um, kind of want to just even just talk about even some of the elements that are in that story. And one of the elements that is primary in that story is um, this perfume, this cologne that's in that. And um, I've always been a person that has um, loved cologne, loved per- perfume on my wife. And um, did anyone get cologne or perfume for Christmas? Anybody out there? Oh, yeah. Oh, a few of you. Um, <laughs> I've, always, uh, I've always really deeply cared about how I smelled. Um, <laughs> I'd have really, really... Yeah, all of you guys laugh, but it's really, really true. Um, and some of you laugh maybe because you are that person. Have you ever just done this, like, all day? You're like, do I smell weird? Like, <laughs> or you walk out of, like, Tacos El Rey, and you're like, yeah, I smell weird. <laughs> And I remember even as a young boy, which is the worst time to actually have like a good sense of smell is to be young because like your body is just going absolutely crazy and everything smells and everything hurts and it's all bad. And I remember just even growing up and just like developing this really good sense of smell. My sister has that sense of smell too. Um, if you hand my sister, one of my sisters anything, but here, here's this, here's this water. She does the same thing. We kind of have the same genetic thing. She'll like smell the bottle. She'll be like, and I'm like, okay. And, uh, <laughs> but this, the sense of smell is kind of like a, um, it's like a two-way superpower. That's what I always call it. Um, I've always had a good sense of smell. Um, example is like, I'll be sitting on the couch and my wife is baking cookies. Hallelujah. And I will be able to tell when the cookies are done by how they smell. Ever had that happen to you? When you're like, and she, I'm like, they're done. They're done right now. And she's just like, she's like, but the timer doesn't say. I was like, throw the timer out the window. Don't ruin the cookies. You need to get them out right now. I can smell when they're done. Um, even when I'm cooking all sorts of food, I love to cook. I, I, I can always tell when something is done primarily from the smell of it. I'm like, oh, that's like, it's perfect. It's right there. But also this two-way superpower, um, you always smell really bad things first, Right? Skunks on the road, um, <laughs> garbage cans. When you have kids, something changes. Um, like one of your young kids with a diaper walks by, and you know the status of that diaper. Like, you know it 100%. You know if it's one, if it's two, if it's a mixture. <laughs> and you always know. And so I've always had this sense of smell, and I've always really cared about, like, how I smell, the smells around me, and I've always loved cologne. And, and other things. And working with uh, youth in youth ministry, um, there's this thing that always happens that only youth pastors really, really know about when working with, like, young boys and kids, on, especially on, like, youth trips. So you go on this youth trip, and maybe, you know, you attend the conference, and then you, you go to a house or a room or wherever you're staying, go to sleep, and then the next morning something bizarre happens. This young man, maybe a 15-year-old boy, gets up and he's getting ready. And then he pulls out this thing in, um, called Axe Body Spray. And, um, and all you hear is this, this coming out of the bathroom. Just that, just that sound. But it's not for like a moment, but it's for like two minutes. <laughs> I just, in this smell, you're just like, what's going on? And 
I know this because I was this boy too. I, I remember, and I know it, I can see, always see it on their eyes. They're spraying their entire body down with Axe body spray. And they're thinking about, like, be like, man, that girl on the other bus or the van, man, she's going to love me at this conference. <laughs> and they open the door and it's like wafting out. This is a genuine thing that happens. So oh, if you're a youth pastor, you'd be like, yes. Or maybe you just have teenage boys. Axe body spray. Um, so maybe they attend the conference. Um, the girls ignore them the whole day. They come back sad. Um, and they, uh, they come back. And there's, a, there's another thing that happens really weird with, like, Axe body spray. Um, maybe the boys are hanging out after the conference, spending time. Maybe you're about to fall asleep even. And boys and farts really go, go well together, like young boys. <laughs> and they start farting in the room. You know what's worse than a fart? Fart with Axe body spray mixed in it. <laughs> because they, they fart, and then they're like, they're like, oh, like, you know what it'll be better is to spray Axe all over the room to cover up the fart. <laughs> and it's this terrible thing that always happens because it kind of deceives you, too. Because if you were to walk in the room, you would smell, like, fragrance, and then you would breathe too deeply, and then it's too late. I remember even when I was young... Being that boy, and I remember when I graduated to, um, I got rid of Axe body spray, and I, uh, I remember graduating to, like, like nights or cologne. Uh, maybe even you can remember a time, if you care about these types of things, like having a nice bottle of cologne. This is nice to me, bottle of cologne, um, Armani Code. Um, I-, I love to wear cologne. I wear it every day. I wear it to the gym because I'm a weirdo. Um, <laughs> I like to smell good on the treadmill. It's for me. <laughs> and I love wearing cologne. And um, I've been wearing it since I was about 12 years old. And um, this story that we're going to dive into revolves around really, really nice perfume, nice cologne, nice oil. And I did it. Oh, you know what the most expensive cologne is? It's called Clive Christensen Number no. 1, or probably one of the most expensive. And it's worth $2,350. What a waste of money, right? <laughs> if, your, if your cologne equals your car, I think there's a problem there. <laughs> I love the line when they, they talk about this Clive Christensen. They say, uh, this perfume not only makes a man smell terrific, but it makes him feel royal, too. <laughs> what a line. But the story in Luke 7 works around this, this bottle of fragrance that this woman came into this house bearing this, this gift. And it's this, this perfume in old time called spikenard. Say spikenard. That's a funny word, right? <laughs> and uh, spikenard was this really rare um, oil that they would import into Israel. And they would use it. For all sorts of applications, but mainly as like this really high-end luxury kind of perfume. And so, how they got, or this stuff was worth about a year's wages worth of work. And it was interesting because, so you have this bottle of like tens and thousands of dollars of this really expensive oil and this perfume. But they built them differently too. Oftentimes they wouldn't just like be able to use a little bit. So like this applicator, like on this bottle of cologne, 
you know, it's, it's different. You know, you have like this, like, this like one spray, one burst, whatever, um, three sprays if you're getting excited. I don't know. Um, but it's different with this bottle of spikenard that this woman showed up with to anoint Jesus' feet. It's different how they built even the containers themselves. So they're like these um, alabaster containers, and they wouldn't just like crack it open and take a little bit out and use it. But oftentimes they would break it and use the entirety of it. They would, they would actually anoint the entire thing with this bottle. And this bottle was one year of your livelihood. That's how, the expensive, how expensive it is. And so you have this woman who goes to this house with this incredible bottle of perfume. And this woman has a terrible reputation throughout the town. And she begins to break this bottle of spikenard over the feet of Jesus. This perfume, and, and it, would, it would fill up the house of, with the smell. And just the act alone is amazing. So I wanted to read kind of the entire passage, starting in Luke 7. And this is a really a story of, like, divine contrasts one to the other. And so Luke 7, verse 36 through 50, it says this. One of the Pharisees, Pharisee being Simon, the Pharisee was like a, a religious person at the time, studied law, and um, they kind of upheld everything. They were considered to be in really like high regard, the higher members of society. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, him being Jesus. And he, Jesus, went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Always put yourself into the story. I, th- I think oftentimes we read scripture and we read it from too much the outside looking in where we really need to put yourself into the story because, because the people that are in the story are very much like the people that are sitting in this room. And if you can find yourself in Scripture, you could grow from Scripture. And sometimes we always want to be the good guy or the hero in the story, but sometimes you're not going to be that person in the story. And so put yourself in the story. Think about it. Like, think of how this would even look. Like Jesus is reclining at a table. The tables in the Middle Eastern time, really low to the ground, so he'd be able to lay and eat food. Sounds like a good time, right? And so Jesus is reclining at the table at this Pharisee's house named Simon. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, she had a bad reputation in town, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. This bottle of spikenard, where tens and thousands of dollars, carries it into the house. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to kiss his feet. And with her, tear, with her tears, it was sorry, to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair on her head. And kissed his feet and anointed him with this ointment. Now when the Pharisee Simon, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, this man were a prophet he would have known who had been that sort of or who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him for she is a sinner and jesus answered saying to him simon i have something to say to you and he answered say it teacher a certain money lender had two debtors one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 when they could not pay he canceled the debt of both now which of them will love him more Simon answered, the one I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. 
And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? It's important line, important line to understand. Every time Jesus speaks, you need to really just pay attention. Do you see this woman? Obviously, he, he saw her to a degree because he was annoyed that she visited his house and that she has the tenacity, this sinner, this person, to touch Jesus. And Jesus asks him, Simon, do you even see this woman? Do you see what's happening? Do you, do you understand what's going on? I think often in my own life, just putting myself in this story, how often I don't see people. I drive by, and I'm just like, I don't see you. I see you intellectually, but I don't see you as a person or a human. Do you see this woman? Jesus said, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Bible times wearing sandals and walking in dust make for very dirty feet. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, but she, for she has loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sin? And he said to this woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Shalom. If you were to have an honest, even just look into the story, where would you place yourself in the story? Are you a Simon or are you maybe a Mary? And a lot of times we want to always be the hero, like I said, but a lot of times we're not. Sometimes we read scripture and we're like, well, that's crazy what that person did, but we would be that person in that situation too. We would be a Moses or a Daniel or Elizabeth. or There's a thousand different things that you would be in scripture because people are the same. People are people. And it's really a, this wild story of just contrasts. You have this man, Simon, who has seeked to find and elevate himself amongst all others in society. He's gained the position that everybody wants to attain. He got the spot. He got the promotion. He hit the target that he wanted. He saw in his life, this is what I want to be. I want to be a Pharisee. And he hit it. But even in that grasping for that, even in that obtaining for that, the thing that Simon needed more than that that position was the understanding of who Jesus was because he missed the entire heart of God. Do you see this woman? He understood it like scripturally and he got it in his brain, but it didn't translate to his, his heart. And so even though he had this hope and this belief and this knowing that be like, this position will make me happy and it will fulfill something in him, he missed Jesus in the mix. On this other side, you have this, this woman 
who has a terrible reputation, a harlot, a sinner. And you have this woman understanding very, very deeply her desperate need for Jesus. And when Jesus tells the, terrible, the parable about the two debts and the two people, they, I don't think either of them realize that they're both the people in enormous debt to God. Simon just didn't realize it. That he himself had a desperate need for Jesus, just like that woman understood that she had a desperate need for Jesus. And that woman, bringing everything she had, Here's this $50,000 bottle of cologne. (laughs) Let's break it. Everything she had, probably her most prized possession, probably maybe even her savings account (laughs) that she had, she brought her best in everything because she understood the thing that she needed to obtain wasn't a bottle of perfume or this really expensive item, but it was Jesus. That both of them needed to understand that their hope wasn't in a position or in a thing, but it was in Jesus. And I feel like this is a great time to talk about this with with Christmas and just the birth of Jesus. Whatever you're looking at or or anticipating, even in this next year, because 2020 has been a little (laughs) wibbly-wobbly, It doesn't matter how this next year looks because Jesus is our hope as Christians. That the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's a position we reach or a thing we obtain, but Jesus is enough and Jesus is our hope. When I always heard that phrase growing up, I always thought that Jesus is enough. Okay, yeah, Jesus is enough. I don't have a yacht and I don't have a helicopter, but Jesus is enough, right? (laughs) We always go positive. But I would even submit something to you that Jesus is enough, even in the valley. When it's very, very difficult and very, very hard. And when 2020 maybe took your job or your finances, or maybe maybe your viewpoint or or just the division in your family, even in all of that, Jesus is the hope for this world. He's the hope for your life. He's the thing that should be central in your focus. The other things shouldn't come into the mix, but Jesus is our hope. At this time, I'd like to really even wrap into this this conclusion of this. um, A time to take some communion. I feel like it would be an amazing thing to do at the last Sunday of the year in the beginning of 2021. I don't know how 2021 is going to look for you or for me. Because there's a lot of this, like, let's ditch 2020, you know, (laughs) with you and then, you know, start a new year. But the thing is, the year will hold what it will hold. Many of those things that you're out of control of or in control But I think that if we were to do anything at the start of this year, was to remind ourselves right after we come out of this Christmas season that Jesus is the hope of this world. That it's not going to be 
all of a sudden spring is going to happen and 2021 happens and a random number on a calendar just pops up and now everything's fixed. It's not that. But it's that the Lord is still moving and working. Emily, you want to come up here or do we have someone for Jason? I love taking communion and I think the, the Christmas story and the birth of Jesus and all these things tie really neatly together with taking communion together. We have Jesus being born in Christmas and we have this hope being established into the world. And then we have this communion table that was set up before Jesus died. And the hope is being continued. Because when you take communion together as believers, you do something. You remember the Lord's death until he comes. You're establishing hope once again in something else other than yourself or your desires or your, your dreams or the position you want to get or the thing you want to get. But you, you're remembering the hope of the world. And... I think I say this probably every time we take communion. I really love communion because of what it does and what it brings us together. That all of us, with our very, very, like varied backgrounds, all of us wouldn't even be together if it wasn't for Jesus, right? That all of us wouldn't even be, be in the same room if it wasn't for Jesus. So I'd like to, for the ushers, you being in the handout, the communion elements... If you are not a believer here in this room, um, I would ask you to not partake of the communion. Um, it's one of those things that in Scripture it says that you shouldn't take if you're not a believer. Um, so you can just let it pass. These are a little tricky, um, these communion cups. Um, if you, you can peel back that first layer and then just hold on to the bread and we'll read the passage and we can take it together and then you can open up the wine or the wine the grape juice portion and we'll take that together so just peel back that first layer and then you can just hold on to the cracker think about the just even just placing myself in the story of the communion or the the disciples with Jesus taking communion together at this table and all of them are just wildly wildly different and how different in political views and how they think and how they believe and how they behave but all of them are at the table because of Jesus and all of them left their livelihood and left everything because they understood hope. Hope in something that's greater than them, hope in something that's greater than their occupation or something they could obtain. And they understood a hope in Jesus. So I'm going to read this passage out of 1 Corinthians 11. It says this, um, you can hold the bread. 
I received from the Lord, but also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You guys want to hold up the bread? Let's pray real quick. Lord, I thank you, God, for your body. Lord, that was broken and bruised and beaten. Lord, that you stood in the place of me. Lord, that you bore the weight of sin. You want to take the bread together? You can open up the second portion. says this, uh, in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Hope. You want to hold the cup up? Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for the blood that was spilt me, for the people in this room, Lord, for this world. Lord, thank you for bearing sin and the weight and the guilt. May we be people, Lord, that's always at the forefront of our mind, God, the precious, precious hope that we have in Jesus. Let's take the grape juice together. The ushers are going to swing by. You can drop the cups in the bucket. Then all of you guys can uh, stand to your feet. If anything from today, um, regardless if it's just you walked in and <clears throat> you felt the presence of God or or if it was maybe during worship time or even maybe something I said, we have some people that will be back in this back corner where there's a cross and maybe you want to talk with someone about next steps with Jesus. Say, please do that. They would love to give you a little resource, a Bible talk with you, pray with you. Maybe you just need prayer and you were like, man, I wish I would have got prayer. They would love to pray with you and give you some next steps. Let's pray real quick. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you're on the move, God. That, Lord, our hope is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you in the new year.